Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
And then a couple of days later, my doctor said, it's cancer. It's early cancer. We want to go in and remove through surgery, um, you know, some of my favorite parts, (laughs) which horrified me. I mean, he might as well have said, tomorrow I want to chop your head off. It was that much of a trauma to me to even consider such a situation. And uh, so I said, well, uh, if I don't do anything, what will happen if I don't? And he said, oh, you'll be dead by the time you're 40. And that sounds pretty grim, too. So I went into a state of absolute fear. My body went numb, like fear that I'd never ever felt before because I felt so trapped. I didn't have any options in the physical world as far as I could see. But I had met this man who had been healed of a brain tumor through um, prayer and Christian science treatment. He looked great. He was functioning, having a great life. And he told me his little story, um, and I remembered it, and I thought, well, I'm going to try that. So I did. And not only did I get healed uh, physically, my body, you know, healed instantly when I was in the presence of a, a healer, but I literally transformed into almost like a different person because I let go of fear. I let go of um, my belief that I was a mortal trapped in a mortal body and I realized I was an infinite being and that perfect health was my birthright. Because I was up against the wall and because I had nowhere else to go, I was ready to believe this totally and I did. So it freed me. It let me out of prison. It was like, you know, going from the most desperate feelings to the most incredible feelings of freedom I'd ever felt in my life. Wow. It was it was a transformative experience. So wow. that was just one of those major, major milestones in life that um, I was fortunate to go through. And I'll tell you, I met a man yesterday who had a similar experience in that it wasn't cancer, but he was working, he was from the UK. He and his wife uh, came into this church where I, I work sometimes in Boston, the Christian Science Church, and we got into a conversation. And he was in a cherry picker, and he put his hands on the high tension wires, and they were yeah. live. Yeah. The electricity went right through his body. He was electrocuted. He showed me the scars on his hands. Yeah. And it literally went across his body, through his organs. But because his belief was so strong that Nothing could really affect him. And he got up, he went home, he told his wife what had happened. So they thought, well, maybe we should go to a hospital. (laughs) They they went to the hospital and they told him the same. They said, well, you know, you really shouldn't be alive. Because it's as if you've just microwaved your internal organs. But he said, when he got home, he just started drinking lots and lots of water. And never really had any bad effects from it, even though he went to another medical facility and they told him the same thing, you shouldn't be alive. Normally, people who get electrocuted like that, they sit down and then they die. <laughs> and he, it had happened years ago. So he too, he was, he was like living proof that you can overcome anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you have to have a, you do have to be positive, don't you? I mean, I'm sure you, you have a very positive outlook on life. And, yeah, you know, um, well, to me, you know, I, I just, if people ask me, you know, we look for cause and effect, I think, as mortals. We, uh, we, you know, it's, it's because, because the spiritual is so well hidden 
from us. And, mm. I, and, and you and I have talked about this. I, I really like the model that, you know, have been introduced to at this stage in my life that it is a game that, you know, and we are these infinite beings and we come here specifically to play uh, a limited game. Uh, you know, a world where there are limited resources, a world where there, you know, it appears that there are limited resources, and a world where it appears that there's conflict and that there's good and evil and that all of these things are real. And so we get immersed in the game. And so you're right. We always look for, well, what is the cause? And um, I think, you know, one of our f- favorite spiritual teachers, Richard, uh, was it Dawkins? Uh, Hawkins. Um, Hawkins. Yeah, he, I saw one of his, I loved it, one of his brief uh, YouTube videos, and he said, and he talked ex- specifically about cause and effect, and he said, there's no such thing. You know, I mean, it, in the physical realm, it seems like there's cause and effect, because you can always trace, well, this happened, hence this happened. But he said, you know, it's like that whole thing that we've read so many times in so many spiritual books, that the flapping of a butterfly's wing will if you trace it f- far enough, will lead to the, you know, the the origins of a major hurricane. Right. You know, and so, you know, and when what you and I, I think, are, are privy to, you know, is that the all the cause, everything is caused by spirit, not just... You know some things. You know there are. You know the physical doesn't overpower the spiritual ever. And mm-hmm. um, so you're right. So I think what you know. I look. How did I survive 55 years? And I'm telling you, when these doctors look at me, they're just they they want to mm-hmm. they want to they want to find a chink in the armor as to that I really did have osteosarcoma. They just want to keep saying no. It had to be something else because they've never met anybody like me. And so. What do I attribute it to? I think um, I just, first of all, I was 13, and not even a a whisper of a thought that I could die ever entered my head. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. I had a conviction that was impossible. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there are other people, when they get bad news, they just give up. That's it. Yeah. You know, all they, it just takes that one statement from a doctor or someone for them to say, oh, I guess it's all over. And yeah. they don't, they just, you know, they succumb. That can right. happen. It happens all the time. And I well, think the not- medical world now, I've, I've been talking to some doctors recently that in Boston and um, just in conversation, and they are starting to say that met, the medical world is realizing we're not just this physical blob of flesh that needs to get fixed. You know, we need to work with people on their emotional and spiritual levels too to heal and correct. Right. Problems. Well, I don't think I don't know if we mentioned we even got to. I mean, it was such a great conversation last time, and I had to leave to go for a pre uh, an appointment I had. But uh, I don't know if we even got into Tom Tam at the time. You know, I think you and I have talked about him. Uh, he does mm-hmm. Qigong healing, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he. Uh, I took his course years ago and saw examples. I mean, just miracles. I mean, there's no other way to describe them. Uh, a woman. Um, we we went around the corner to a little during the break to get some lunch, 
and a woman sat down, asked us if she could, who was also in the class, asked if she could sit down with us. And he was using this. Um, he had stumbled on this idea. He was he was an acupuncturist and massage therapist. And one day somebody came in for an acupuncture, and um, he was holding, and the, the patient said, don't, whatever you do, don't put a needle in me today. I am so in such pain, and especially in the area we're talking about, I can't take the needles. His whole, I guess his whole skin was, was sensitive. And mm. so Tom Tam was holding the, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's really kind of humorous. He was holding the uh, acupuncture doll, that little rubber doll that had right. all the meridians on it. So he just asked the guy, and he's holding a needle, and he says, well, whereabouts does is the pain? And so the guy showed him, and so Tom Tam stuck the needle in the doll, and the guy jumped. And he was like, what? And the guy actually expressed pain. He goes, wow. And he said, mm-hmm. so Tom Tam did it again and again and again, and the guy reacted. And so now Tam was on to something. And so instead of applying the needles to the guy, he did it to the doll, and the effect was the same. Mm-hmm. So so Tam started this whole therapy based on, and what he then started to do is use, use the acupuncture, the reflex hammer kind of thing, to beat on the doll, and he used a laser light later on, he figured, just a common, ordinary carpenter's laser. And so Tam, who was totally... Um, you know, ostracized by the the medical community 10, 15 years ago, is now (laughs) holding clinics in almost every major hospital in the city. And he calls it, yeah, he calls it medicine of the future. But he he was so funny in the class, he would say, uh, okay, he said, now this is interesting because um, it really hits into what you are have experienced and what I've experienced. But he said, okay, let's talk about, you know, and I love to imitate his voice. He said, let's talk about uh, prayer. <laughs> he goes, uh, everybody gets, you can have prayer. He says, cure rate for prayer, about 1%. <laughs> and he says, uh, you know, and then he talked about, you know, other b- belief, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the, the cure rates were, really low and he then he talked Mm -hmm. about surgeries and conventional medicine and they started to move up and then he said he started going into specific uh cancers such as mammography um whatever and his numbers were documented into the 70s and 80s and he says the doctors can't understand but he says how can you understand he says because it's medicine of future oh and (laughs) Yeah, he says, it's medicine of the future. Nobody understands. How can you possibly understand? He says, we can't understand yet. And so now... Well, and that, that's, a, that's what the human mind is locked in its belief system that, well, if I can't understand it, then it must not be real. Exactly. I, but I, I don't know. This is a, I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. I just posted. I find these amazing things on the Internet, and I found it on YouTube the other day. There was an exercise in... A game of um, I don't know if you could call them illusions or what, but they um, there were games to observation techniques. 
and, and what you were able to perceive. And they had this one where there were two teams passing a ball, a black team and a white team that would buy shirts, the, shirt, the black shirts and the white shirts. And the, the idea was to pass the ball around. Who could pass the ball around the most times? And so they said, count the number of times that the black team passes the ball. And so my eyes were fixated on this. And when I got through, and I, I had about the right number. And so I thought I got it right. And then, then the big surprise of surprises came. It said, okay, did you see the girl in the, the blonde in the bikini walk through all of the players? And you didn't and see I it. Didn't see it. Hmm. I didn't see it. And then when they, they played it back, it was so freaking obvious. I mean, this hmm. this blonde, gorgeous blonde in a bikini walks through this game of all these, you know, men and women in in sweatshirts and sweatpants, and she would, and I'm like, and it just said, there there you go. You and so if something as basic as that. A, a situation in reality where our senses, our brain and our eyes can't perceive it. How are we so so easy to dismiss? You know, and my brother's one of these people. If I can't see it, feel it, or touch it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, there are people that say that all the time. Yeah. And and I, I'm amazed that they, it's one thing to know it and admit it, but to believe that that's the right way to think, to me, I don't understand that. Because I mean, I mean, it's I mean obvious so many, that first of, right. First of all, it, there's we, everything that we can't see, hear, and touch. I mean, well, it's just talk about what, right? It, well, exactly what we're doing now. I mean, radio waves—you can't see, or the electricity that you were talking about, or whatever. Right. Yeah. All imperceptible, yet they exist. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, so but oh no, oh, when it comes to the spiritual, no, 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 it's all a bunch of uh, fairy tales, and, it, right. and it's not real. And and what by dismissing it, you know, you're dismissing the most powerful part of us ourselves, which That's is the right. spiritual. You know, but everyone is at a different level of growth, and on of a different, everyone's on their own journey. So. Um, you know, I know when I had that big aha with my healing of cancer, it didn't just heal my body, it healed my mind, my consciousness. But I, mm-hmm. that's why they call it the pearl of great price. What you have to go through in order to find it is very pricey. And not everybody's yes. willing to go through that. Right. Like I said before, a lot of people get diagnosed, they give up. They just say goodbye. I'm, I'm out of fear. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to take it and use it as a stepping stone to the next, you know, wake, awakening their consciousness. You know, I'm just, everybody's different. Everybody's different. You know, some and people it's true. It can that's be that's a great. You know, this, we live in a society, especially that everything's you know quantified. Um, you've got to quantify. It. We've got analytics for everything. You've got to quantify it. You know, there's statistics say. Well, with this type of cancer at this stage, the statistics right. are this, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and so people buy yeah. into those statistics. So here I am dealing with a statistic that says you've only got a five. And this is before chemo. I never had chemo, uh, hmm. so we're dealing with a, a cancer that I've only got a five percent chance. Ninety-five. I mean, you wouldn't. Nobody would take that bet with money. I mean, if you know, said lay down a hundred dollars and you only got a five percent chance. I mean, it's crazy. Ninety-five to one. Right. You, you know, you lose. 
or, or 20 to 1, whatever the numbers are, you know, it's not a good bet. And yet, uh, I survived. And what that's done for my psyche, my consciousness, is whenever people start quoting statistics to me, I, I just look at them and go, I don't do that. I don't do statistics. Well, those are the laws of the world. The laws of the spiritual dimension transcend all the laws of the world. Genetics, um, time, space, you name it. None of those are real. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's what the human mind isn't willing to accept yet because, you know, the general state of mankind is still, this is the real deal. Right. This isn't. This is. This is all I know. Right. But it's changing. We're going through the great shift right now, which is exciting, because yes. um, just like it happened to me. I mean, that tsunami hit me, and I had to change my thinking. It's happening mm-hmm. all over the world, where people are in situations where the old way of thinking doesn't work anymore. So you have to look in a new direction. You know, I was That's having good. this uh, right. I was having this conversation with. Uh, it's funny how like attracts like, and that is that is part of the um, law of attraction that I totally believe in. That once you hit a certain vibe frequency, those people who are at that frequency appear in your life. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a new reality. Like you know the um, whatever the shield or the, the illusion starts to you know, evaporate and poof, all of these beings and situations, you enter a new, whole new reality. And, uh, you know, so I've met this fellow and he he was talking about, he said, look, look here. And uh, to me, as you know, the Apple store has become one of my favorite hangouts. And he said, look around. And there's, they have a table just for children and where there's a bunch of iPads. He says, look at them. You know, these kids are barely above toddlers. He says, watch them. And he says, you see, he says, because all of the uh, consciousness of how to operate these machines, and I, I'll, I call the new f- phase of being human, is that we really are transforming into androids because everybody's got one. Everybody's got a machine in their hand all the time now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he said, look, because, he says, because the level of consciousness has shifted, it's shifted for the entire, uh, all of humanity. So right, these, these, right. so you're right. So when when humanity starts to see that, oh, open up to the ideas. And you know, I talked about Roger Bannister when he uh, nobody could break the four minute mile, and that existed for, for all of time. No one was ever able to break a four minute mile, and then Roger Bannister breaks it, and within two weeks, six other people do it. And today, mm-hmm. a four-minute mile is no problem. Right. And you, so, the, you know, applying that kind of experience in history of, you know, a shift in the level of consciousness goes exactly with what you're saying, that once more and more people are open to it, the possibilities and the windows that open up to that reality, you know, will happen faster and faster. Oh, yeah. It'll, it becomes more commonly accepted. Um, but, you know, when an idea first comes along, it always has strong resistance if it's different. And, you know, it takes a long time for people to accept things like spiritual healing. Teleportation. Well, exactly. Well, you know, okay, so, you know, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot is the the 2,000-year continuum where 
it, it seems though at every two thousand years there's a shift, you know, mm. and so um, when the idea of Jesus came along, you know, and I've heard some things recently whether or not Jesus as a person actually existed or not, because the story has been the same throughout all religions for thousands and thousands of years. It's the exact same story. So, you know, whether there's a specific Jesus or not, but there is this, you know, look at the idea that, which most people believe in, in, in the major religions, that, you know, the power is outside of us. So, mm-hmm. as in Jesus, it takes a Jesus to heal. You know, only Jesus could do it. And but he was so, telling everyone, you can do these things. Exactly. He was the, he was do not marvel teacher. at what I can do because you will do greater. Exactly. And that's, see, people got that, they say, right after he was here for about 300 years, the ones that followed his teachings. But then the churches and the human mind started to turn it into, well, well, nobody can do that but Jesus. And it came back again when Mary Baker Eddy came along and rediscovered this lost element of healing. And if you study her writings, you can figure out how to do it. Wow. In a long way. It's all in the Bible, but she, right. through her insight and her revelation, was able to see how he did it. And um, it's a science because there are these divine laws in the universe. When you, just like you're saying, um, you start attracting different people when you change your vibration. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. When you believe that perfect health is your birthright and the universe is nothing but good and loving, then good things will happen wherever you go. Exactly. You know, she, uh, I, as I told uh, the doctor, I said, you know, this is very rare for me to, um, to, to come to doctors. I said, I, was, I had a 10-year hiatus you know, be in my, I guess, from 55 till now, where I hadn't been to a doctor. You know, my, uh, I had no, my, I let my health insurance um, lapse, and uh, my diet has always been in exercise and outlook. You know, we, we both meditate, you know, I do yoga, and, you know, and, uh, you know, very careful of how much stress I allow into my life. And so for 10 years, I didn't go to a doctor. And when I finally went in, because I had to, because of Medicare, you have to have a physical. Uh, first of all, they wouldn't. I was so long without being at my doctor's. They they lost track of who I was. So I had to actually ask to get back in to be his patient, which they did. And he saw me, and he was a great guy. And he says, "Well, where you been?" And I said, "Well, I didn't have any help." He says, "I said, well, I didn't have any health insurance for ten years." And he goes, "Well, what'd you do?" I said, "Well, I saved." First off, I saved $100,000. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, yeah, you're right. He said, well, didn't you get sick? And I said, yeah, I got the flu three times, maybe. Mm-hmm. And and he goes, that's amazing. And when they did all my vitals, you know, they were expecting the norm for somebody in their mid-60s. And, that, you know, my blood pressure was perfect. You know, my cholesterol, everything was fine. And they were just like in shock because that is not the norm of what they find today. We're, you know, we live in a society that is totally de- dependent on pharmaceuticals. Oh, and it's getting sicker and sicker. It's you know, Alzheimer's on the rise, cancer's on the rise. I mean, yep. qual- that is not quality life. Um, no. You know, if people could tap into the spiritual dimension and realize that all their solutions are there. 
there there isn't a single problem that comes up in the human world that you can't solve with spiritual right. solutions. I totally, Metaphys- absolutely. That's absolutely. why I'm the metaphysical flight attendant. And, um, <laughs> Taking people... Is, and I love the, the taglines that have evolved from that. Taking people to a new and higher plane. A higher plane. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, any other stories now that we do? Well, one of the things that we started to touch on last time is talk about the level of consciousness and how it, it is connected to cancer. And one of the things that we both talked about are you know, people, everybody, everybody marching around these days in a, for a specific cancer and doing a walk or whatever. Mm. And we both know, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, um, don't invite me to a uh, an anti-war. Anti-war rally. rally, because it's, you know, a peace rally is, is what she would want to go to. Yeah. Because just by saying you're anti-war... You're thinking about war. If you're anti-cancer or a cancer survivor, you're thinking about it. Yes. You need to just expunge it from your consciousness and move on, you know, and exactly. just realize it's over. Yes. It's gone. Instead right. of dwelling on it. I mean, they've turned this cancer thing into a trillion-dollar industry with pink ribbons and marches, and every right. time you turn around, somebody else is sponsoring a cancer right. and, fund. Right, and, and what we talked about the in some of the cases all of the money in the research etc cetera, etc cetera, which is making a whole bunch as you said a whole bunch of people rich um, yeah it's a huge business yeah and what they found okay they there are incidences where the cure rate for cancer on some of those situations has improved however the incidence of people getting cancer is is like a forest increasing. fire. It's increasing like crazy. Yeah. So obviously, it's not getting to the cause of what what's creating this cancer-ridden uh, society. You know, and I know for me, it was I could trace it right back to neg- negative emotion. I was I was in a situation that was depressing me. Um, mm-hmm specifically a romantic situation, so it affected me in that part of my body. And, right. um, you know, many you women who get breast cancer, many times they're in very frustrating marriages. Um, I mean, that's supposed to be a classic symptom of how you think. And there are certain cultures where people never get those kinds of cancers. You know, right. like Japanese women have never gotten breast cancer, to, to speak of. Right, right, exactly. So there does are it, does, ways of right, looking at Right, does not exist. Right. It does not exist because of, you know, it's, and I have to think that, you know, you know, when it comes even down to physical things, like even the fact that we have, you know, the Kenyans can run these marathons and win all the time. It isn't just a mm-hmm. physical thing, but it's yeah. a whole mental attitude. They believe they can do it and they keep yeah. reinforcing that by winning. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so... You know, and that's one of the things that I, I think I may have mentioned in the last conversation we had about cancer is that once it was done and over, you're right. When I meet people who hang on to it, you know, oh, I had cancer back, and they remember the date, the time, hmm. the operation, yeah. the thing, and I'm like, I, what I'm, a strange I'm, thing to celebrate, you know? Or, <laughs> or, you know, I, exactly. It's be, like I won't, 
you know, I won't even honor cancer mm-hmm. with those thoughts. You mm-hmm. know, to me, it's like, oh, okay, so, you, you know, I had it. It took its best shot. And, um, you know, you, I, okay, I lost the limb, but that's all you got. You didn't get my life, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get my mm-hmm. thoughts. You know, and right. I talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, the attitude when I do do these cancer um, lectures that there's this kind of this overall, there's almost a cloud hanging over there this, with this feeling like we've been victimized and how lucky right. we are to be survivors. Well, the victim mentality is very, very strong, and it comes in many, I mean, abu- people who have been abused in their lives can maintain that victim mentality for decades. You know, mm-hmm. to free yourself from those kinds of negative thoughts is the key. And, you know, it's, it's like, but it's like being inside a, a web. And how do you find your way out? You usually need someone who's found their way out as a guide. Yes. And that's why, you know, it's good to find a teacher who can press the right button, say the right things, and, and release you from that prison, that darkness. Right. And, and I would have found someone that did. Right yeah, away, well, when I got the bad news. Right, right. But I, I mean, followed you... my I followed my intuition. I exactly. I didn't go I didn't go the way of the world, and I right. I got a lot of resistance. I had people all around me saying, "What are you crazy? Right. Go get <laughs> surgery." Exactly. I mean, it takes a lot to uh, stand up to the world thought when you know something when you're surrounded by that. And it, but that's that's the way it is in this. Dimension. You're either going to be your own person, follow your intuition, your spiritual sense, or you're going to cave in and let everybody tell you what to do. Exactly. And we chase. And again, that's part of the game. To it, you know, it's almost it's been designed to to make us think that we're everything that we are, to make us think we're not everything which we truly are, which is truly infinite, right. truly powerful. And right. you know, and I, that's one of the things I, I mentioned is that. Well, right away, I said, I do not like the term cancer survivor. I said, it implies one step above victimization. Yeah. And I said, mm-hmm. what? And I was lucky because they immediately put me in a pool, which I had never been able to swim up until that time. And so I was, even in spite of having a handicap, I was now able because I was in the water and I was free and I could move around and I had no limits. And, in fact, I became, uh, I talk about the fact that really the stages of cancer, moving beyond cancer from victim to victor are Mm -hmm. are these, that you are, yes, you become a victim at first, then you become a survivor. But if if you're wise, you soon become a player. And when I was in that pool, I soon, I was again a player in the game of life. You know, I was playing Mm -hmm. in the water. Right, and and then being young and being athletic, I I went from that. And of course, everybody, you know, we live in a competitive society, and naturally competitive in many ways. I started beating the other kids who were of like age, and so in spite of my handicap, I was a I was a competitor, and then moved from competitor to winner, and and with this attitude of winning, I started to win, you know, became a champion, and mm-hmm. I said. You know, so the, the the levels of consciousness go from being a victim to a champion. And I said, and if you're you're a champion long enough, what happens is, well, then we become coaches. You see, mm. and then if you're a great coach, you become a coach of coaches, which is a mentor. 
And mm-hmm. then I said, the final step is to become a healer. You know, so you move mm-hmm. from you move from right. victim to victor to mm-hmm. healer, and right. that should be the, the 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 level of consciousness that we all want to achieve. That's if we are exactly here to right. heal each other. I like that. Right, exactly. But so many people get stuck in one of oh, those, you know, victim. It's easy to poor get me, stuck. Poor me, The world poor me. Is, is preaching that. Yes. You know, the, the general population is preaching, oh, there is no solution. Sometimes yes. you never get over certain things that happen to you in life. I hear that <laughs> a lot. Um, you know, How it could stays you? with you How forever. You? What, right. What, what yeah. happened to me? Oh, if you only knew, and what they that person did to me, you know, right. and it's like but see, yeah. that really is a purgatory or a state or right. a hell state because exactly. you can't if you can't free yourself from these terrible states of consciousness and you're going to stay stuck there forever. Well, when right. are you going to get out of it? Right. You know. And, you know. Then then you start to see the power of now, which Eckhart Tolle talks mm, about, and exactly. you know, it it is it is the spiritual attitude, the mm-hmm. spiritual state of mind that gets you. That, that it's the only thing that can free you. That's right. That's right. And well, again, only you can do it yourself. Mm. Again, I I love these conversations. I think what when we go into these areas, we as you know, I keep saying, I think what we add by our connection is we add one foot in real, one foot on the ground, one foot in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one, one. You know, it's we. You 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 get on the plane and you take off, and we, we you take people to a different plane. But we realize that there's always the ground that we have to right. manipulate through this this quagmire, sometimes this labyrinth. I love it when you know there's there's so much in spiritual teachings about the labyrinth and mm. you know finding our way through finding your way through it yes and yeah. so you know it's you know many spiritual teachers you know take off and you know they stay in the stratosphere uh, and they try to but I think we we keep it grounded in saying okay so what so once you master these spiritual truths then it's very important to realize that you have to use them daily to manipulate through the labyrinth. That's right. You have to stay conscious and and keep yourself awake um, because it's so easy to fall asleep again when you're surrounded by people who aren't doing this kind of work. You know. Right. And then Can we talk about just, a little bit about the progress of your book? How you, well, you, you, um, yeah, my book is um, coming along with um, Balboa Press. And it looks like it will definitely be out um, the beginning of next year, no problem. Um, they did an evaluation and liked it so much they don't recommend any changes at all. And um, I was told that this this book can reach many, many types of people and help them to find themselves, just like I did. And that's why I wrote the book. It's, it's the story of my journey through um, a life life of you know, flying and living, and how you can use all sorts of experiences that you go through as stepping stones into the higher realms, the realms of spirituality and consciousness, and free yourself. And so I'm looking forward to it coming out now, and it's in the works. Well, I can't so wait. To, all of our conversations about it, and I've read 
or at least you've read to me um, excerpts, which is mm-hmm. it's an extremely right. well-written book. I mean, the, the use yes. of language is poetry. And My co-author is an is an excellent writer, so it's yeah. really well written, which is great. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, a lot of people who, you know, I think we've been exposed to some of the works that, you know, people who aren't necessarily authors. Uh, what was that one? Into the Light or something? Remember that one that came out? The woman who had the um, near death. death experience. Yeah, near death experience. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was it, it was a. You know, a good, interesting read, but it r- wasn't written well. Your book is extremely well written. You know, mm. I mean, you feel like you know you're um, being exposed to something that is a work of art, really, truly. I mean, you know, it's a compliment mm. to both of you being able to do that, and to the mm. potential readers out there. We had so much fun writing it too. It was really um, a very pleasant experience. You know, it just flowed between us. The synergy was wonderful. Yeah, you know, when you hit that, you know, that's when you know every, all the pistons are firing on the right level, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's meant to be. So, great. Well, they're right. going to shut us off here. We could go on forever, which we do when okay. we're not doing a show. But, uh, again, mm-hmm. thank you so much, and uh, this will be up and available in a, in a few minutes, and hopefully those people who are lucky enough to hear it will come by. Terrific. Well, thank you, Tom. It was great to you. Okay, Rebecca. Everybody have a great Sunday, and uh, please tune in again when the metaphysical flight attendant comes back.